0: Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journeywomen. One, two, three, four! Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On this episode of the Journey Women podcast, I'm interviewing Lexi Sovey. Lexi and her family live in Ogden, Utah, where God's called her to be helper to her husband Brian, a homemaker, and mama to her three precious babies. She also serves alongside her husband in ministry at Refuge Church in Riverdale, Utah, and enjoys spending as much time in God's Word as she can. She's got a degree in creative writing and sees her pen as a way to share what God's been teaching her with other people. As contributing editor for Deeply Rooted, Lexi spends a lot of time behind the scenes writing articles and excerpts for the website and magazine. She also reviews submissions, conducts interviews, and brainstorms new ideas for the magazine and website. Lexi and I actually connected through the magazine and our mutual friend, Diane Jago, who was on episode 14 of the podcast. Today, Lexi and I are chatting about the gospel and how we need it every minute of every day. This is one of my favorite conversations yet, y'all. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome to the Journey with Med podcast. Thank you. What else do you do? I know you have some little people over there. <laughs>
1: yes, um, i I guess you could say I'm a domestic engineer of sorts. So <laughs> I'm married to a pastor. So we have a lot of our life and our schedule just revolves around our church. Yeah. And aside from that, we have now three kids, Ari is four, Ira is two, and Daphne is eight weeks old.
0: Oh my goodness. You're so fresh. I didn't realize that. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. So congratulations, little girl,
0: we're excited. It's been fun. That
1: is wonderful. Now, do you homeschool? So I don't homeschool right now. Okay. Um, that is the goal. I grew up mostly homeschooled and I taught before having kids. And so I'm just really, I know some moms don't, they say it's not for them, but if I put my kids in school, I would probably be teaching with my free time. So I just, my husband and I just really both feel like um, that's where I should be investing that gift. In addition to having such a crazy schedule, being in full-time ministry, um, it's just a, the easiest way for us to yeah. be able to work. Totally. our family schedule around that. So
0: That's the way a lot of military families are as well. Yep. That's why I was homeschooled. Really? Yep. Yeah. So um, both my
1: husband and I grew up in the Air Force.
0: Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. This is awesome. And my sister's <laughs> name's Alexandra, too. So there's just all oh, cool. kinds of different commonalities going on here. That's awesome. That's amazing. I have very few friends who grew up military. And so with having awesome. children, obviously, and us being in the military, I am always just so intrigued when I meet adults who grew up in the lifestyle <laughs> that my kids are growing up in now, and I'm like, Oh, yeah. you're okay? Okay. Yes. okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, the people that I do meet that have grown up in the military, though, they tend to be really balanced and well rounded and just have a really big worldview in comparison to yeah. my own.
1: I think it's true. I definitely, definitely think it's true. That's why it's always funny to me when I get worried over the little things I do with my kids because. I just kind of think about the way I had to grow up. And I think this is nothing compared to the issues I had to deal with.
0: Yeah. Did you guys move a lot when you were growing up? Yeah. We ended up moving about every, gosh, two to two and a half years
1: simply because um, early on my dad had to do a few humanitarians for his mom was sick and my my mom's dad was sick. Okay. And then he got commissioned after that. So that kind of cut another assignment short. And then um, I think
0: the longest we were anywhere was four years. Yeah, it's a fast-paced lifestyle for sure, but we have a lot of military listeners, so I know that'll be a really big encouragement just to hear that you've grown up in our world. It's really exciting. Well, I'd like to have you discuss the topic of the gospel, and I hope you're as excited as I am. (laughs) Yes,
1: I am. I've gone through a bit of a transition with this in the last year, so this (laughs) will be kind of put a lot of the things I've been challenged by to the test, I feel like.
0: We talk about the gospel a lot on the journey women podcast. And it's one of my goals to be incorporating the gospel into the fabric of every conversation that we're having on this show. But just because of timing and scheduling and all the different things, we haven't actually had an entire podcast devoted to the gospel. So (laughs) yes, before we go any further, I would love to hear for those who may have never heard the gospel before. Do you have some kind of explanation for us of what the gospel is?
1: Yeah, so um, this reminds me of uh, last two seasons ago for our house churches. We were, for the first time, kind of able to sit under house church leaders and not be the ones leading the house church. And my husband and I really gained a lot from um, watching our house church leader. His name was Joe, watching him lead. And every single time we started house church, he would just ask one person to explain the gospel fairly quickly. I love that. Yeah, so I really, really, really love this short explanation. And the reason I like the shortness of it is I was able to easily teach my kids the gospel as well. Um, Anyway, so just really quickly, the gospel is what happens when you believe in Christ. And he takes our sin and we get his righteousness. Mm. Um, So there's kind of two components to that. I think a lot of people grow up in the church understanding that Jesus takes our sins, but I don't necessarily think we understand what happens when we get Christ's righteousness. So yeah, um, yeah. So basically, smarter people than me call that the Great Exchange. Yeah. <laughs> so we just we access that through faith. It's
0: not by works. Thank you, Lord. It's not by works. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Though a lot of days I live like it is, which is part of the reason why I want to yeah. talk to you about how this plays itself out in your life on a day to day basis. So could you just kind of describe, how do you live in light of this reality? So
1: what really challenged me to have, I guess you could say a gospel worldview was the um, verse, second Corinthians 318, which basically says, beholding the image of Christ, we are changed into that same image. Mm. And I think I just lived so much of my first few years as a wife and a mom in a workspace mentality, Um, I'm very task oriented.
0: The recovering pragmatist. Yeah. So I lived most of those
1: first two years, just getting things done in the most efficient way, in the most practical Uh, way. Yes. And that led to me really feeling, um, despairing when I had bad days as a mom or a wife. And so when I came across this verse that basically told me that if, if you, if you look at Christ, you will be made into that same image. My, my whole worldview was really challenged. Um, because there was nothing I could do at that point. <laughs> I couldn't have the dishes done by the time my husband was home to be righteous. I couldn't have the happiest tone of voice towards my kids to be the best mom. It was really just about looking to Christ in those moments. And so um, that started to slowly change my thought patterns. And I would say the last year or so, it's, I've had to, um, I guess you could say, challenge my behavior as well. That was something I didn't necessarily understand at first when thinking about gospel centrality in all of life. Yeah. I had I knew how to preach to myself sure. The truth, yes. but then I needed the works to follow, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, man. Okay, well, let's start with how to preach to ourselves, because maybe okay. somebody's <laughs> there and they're like, uh, where do I even start with preaching yeah. to myself? And then let's move into how do we live in light of that? So how do we preach it to ourselves?
1: So I think that you have to really have the time in your schedule, truly, to meditate on the gospel. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is, if we're so busy, we're never going to want to take the time because it's not the most practical thing to stop. But it wasn't also practical of Christ to put his life down on the cross for us. So I just I think it's really important to be able to make room, first of all, if this is something yeah. you struggle with. Um, second of all, a really practical example of this, I remember when we um, I was first learning about this, concept when we moved into our home and I was just feeling extremely overwhelmed and disappointed with myself hmm. because it was like four months into our move and I still had boxes that weren't unpacked oh, and my yes. house wasn't
0: decorated. And, and you're a military kid. You're supposed to yeah. have that on the walls by like yeah, the third week. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I just was feeling so frustrated and yeah. just, I, I guess I just assumed everyone was disappointed with me because I was disappointed with myself and yeah. Yeah. I had to get to the point in thinking, okay, so how does the gospel apply to this? And mm. I think it was something I read by Elise Fitzpatrick probably. And
0: yeah, love her stuff. Me too.
1: She was basically saying because God poured out all of his, his wrath on Christ at the cross, he reserves no disappointment for you. Mm. It was completely poured out on Christ. As a very practical example I remember walking around my house one day counting the boxes and just thinking Christ holds none of this against me because it was all poured out of the cross. So
0: it just makes you so thankful.
1: Yeah, it really it really really does. And then th- that thankfulness is what fuels the gospel-centered living if that makes sense.
0: Yes. The gratitude, it leads us into that and then obviously out of that flows so many things including joy, which I think a lot of us hear about this concept of living joyful lives as believers or pursuing joy, you know, kind of the John Piper thing. But for some of us, there's just a disconnect there. It's like, I know that I'm supposed to have joy in Christ, but how do I get there? And I think what you're describing is if we were going to create a formula, which there is really none other than the gospel, it's meditating on the gospel and fixating on its truths and allowing it to transform your heart and thereby transform your life.
1: Yeah. And one more thing to mention is I think the biggest thing that people forget when they think about the gospel is we're really good at being um, like morbidly introspective over our sin. Yes. But I think we forget that when Christ looks at you, he doesn't actually see your sin anymore. He sees the righteousness of God. So that is where the faith comes in is you have to truly believe that, that you've been delivered from your sins and God does not hold them against you anymore.
0: I had a pastor who used to say, staring at your navel, like you're just Mm -hmm, kind of stuck there looking at it like, huh, there's all this lint in here. This is disgusting. And instead of looking at your navel, you look up, fixate on God, and then you just begin to see, really you do see that gap that exists between you and Holy God. And I've talked about this before, but in that kind of expanse, that space, we come to realize that that's what Jesus fills. Another thing that
1: I think Christians fail to relate to when it comes to the gospel is understanding how the law works in the place of a Christian's life.
0: The whole disconnect between the Old Testament and the New Testament is huge. Paul talks a lot about
1: um, how the law was a ministry of death. And so if we're looking at our list of to-dos or the things that culture tells us we need to be in order to be righteous— um, that is automatically going to breed death in our life. Yeah. And it's, it truly is only by looking at Christ in the gospel that we will be transformed. So I think we need to, as Christians, really wrestle with and figure out for ourselves how we relate to the law. And the book that helped me with that the most was honestly Martin Luther's Commentary in Galatians. So
0: Ooh, yes.
1: It helped me realize that um, this whole gospel centrality thing isn't really new. The church has been fighting for this for hundreds of years. So...
0: Man, I love that. And isn't Galatians like the mini Romans, like it's a condensed version of Romans? I've never heard that, but I could see now that you're saying that, I could see how that would be. Well, I might need to edit that out (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't heard it, but I think that it is. And Galatians was one of the first times that, you know, as someone who is actively pursuing Christ and desiring to grow in Christ-likeness, you know, and then having kind of gotten too caught up in what... I'm doing for him. Galatians was incredibly freeing, so highly recommend, and I can't wait to check out that commentary. I'd love to flesh this out just a little bit more practically. Can you offer some examples of what living in light of the gospel might look like for somebody else?
1: Okay, so an example I would, I would something I've talked about with my kids before mm-hmm. is, um, even if you're an adult child, this could apply, but either like struggling to honor your parents or struggling to obey yeah. your parents. I think you. I think in an example like this, you could look at Christ and see how basically you are falling short of Christ when you're not obeying or honoring your parents. Yes. And that is sin against him. But the question I like to ask is how did Christ fulfill that on my behalf when I'm trying to relate the gospel to specific circumstances? So as a child, I can look to Christ and see, you know, his perfect record of obedience to mm-hmm. his heavenly father and honoring of his heavenly father to a much higher standard than what I'm called to, he uh, he perfectly fulfilled that, and that is also to my credit. It's in my bank account, essentially, that I have his perfect obedience as a son and as a child. So, yeah, so I talked to my son about that just to kind of, <laughs> in his little mind, help him understand how does the gospel relate to even a four-year-old or...
0: Understanding how to live in light of the gospel completely transforms my parenting. Does it do the same for you?
1: Oh, totally. I mean, even, um, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but my my son was just, we actually got to take an ambulance ride to the hospital a few days ago. And
0: what happened? Is he okay? Yeah. So he, he has struggled
1: with really bad asthma for about three years now. And it was so bad a few years ago that he was on adult doses of medication just to keep it basically to keep him out of the hospital. But we've slowly been weaning him off and we we got onto a much lower dose this summer. And so this was really the first time he has been sick since lowering his dose. And now we know that, um, he can't be on that low of a dose essentially. So,
0: so scary Lexi.
1: Yeah, it was, it honestly, it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever, ever been through. And just, Um, All the fear that was associated with that. And it was just really overwhelming. And I didn't even know, like sitting beside him in the the ER, I didn't even know where to read in my Bible. I just felt, I really felt like I was failing in being a giant of the faith. For some reason, I had this really high standard on myself that I should be this rock. Yeah, exactly. And I just knew, I was like, I don't even know where to read in my Bible. This is like the most basic thing as a Christian. And the next morning I was reading in the book of Job and just, Mm. I mean, Job isn't Christ, but even just seeing Job's example of, I mean, everything was taken for him and he falls on the ground and worships. And just seeing that picture and seeing that that was not my response made me realize that Christ alone is the one who was able to worship in the midst of suffering. Yeah. And even seeing that helped me remember that Christ's obedience of worship and suffering is to my account. So I don't need to be struggling to figure yeah. out how to be, how to suffer correctly. Yes. It's not about my suffering. It was about Christ's suffering. And so even in the moment I was thinking, you know, how come on, Christ obedience, <laughs> Get it this? together. Be like okay, yeah. Jesus. What would Jesus do here? Yeah. Just really asking yourself in the moment, like, how does, how was Christ obedient for me in my place in this situation. And I mean, those applications are, I mean, I feel like there's thousands of them.
0: That could flush itself out so many different ways. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing, they're not your normal narrators, Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. And I totally identify with what you're saying where... When I realize I've messed up, I will find myself cycling down in despair, thinking, oh my goodness, feeling shame, feeling guilt, feeling inadequacy, all of those different things. And those feelings are always kind of a barometer that I look at to recognize like there's something that I'm not believing about the gospel here. And instead, like you said, taking the time to just sit with the situation for just a second longer and to realize, you know what? most of these things a lot of it is fear that i'm not that i'm not enough and that yeah. is true yeah exactly exactly and and that truth is so freeing because exactly what you're saying christ is enough and what he's done for us is sufficient and so it just brings this incredible rest and worship honestly too because you're like man i cannot even believe that he has taken even this from me and mm-hmm. he's met me even here so what is that risk if we fail to live in light of the gospel
1: I think the most terrifying aspect of this to me is basically the fact that those who we want to raise up in Christlike maturity, for me, that's my children. Yeah. Um, it just kind of makes me realize that, that if I'm failing to walk in the grace that Christ has offered me and then extending that to others, that will, could essentially breed distaste for the church and for Christ altogether, in my children
0: oh yeah um, slash anyone in our presence it, yes exactly anybody that you are interacting with if
1: they don't see that joy I mean that's what's attractive about the gospel to us is that we were offered grace unmerited favor and so I think it's very um, I think Christians really should meditate on th- those verses I think it's in Matthew and Mark where it talks about you know if you're not willing to extend mercy Christ will not extend mercy to you mm And so I just have to think about that constantly with those that I'm interacting with. That's a reality that Christ uses that reaping and sowing in our lives. And so if I'm just sowing anger into my my children all the time, you know, does that mean they're going to grow up to be angry daddies themselves? So you have to, I just think you have to think about that whole concept of reaping and sowing with how you're interacting with those you're ministering to. Totally makes me think of that parable. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Basically, he owes a debt and the master frees him of that debt and then he goes back to somebody else and he's demanding a much smaller debt from him.
0: Yes, that's exactly and it.
1: I and think the master finds out and basically says, if I've forgiven you of such a big debt, why can't you forgive him of such a smaller debt? And he puts him in in prison. <laughs>
0: yes, and I have totally been in that situation so many times, you know, where I'm just expecting so much out of someone else and I forget what Christ has done for me. And I act in anger and I respond in bitterness. And it's really, really ugly. You know, a lot of it for me, if I fail to live in light of the gospel, a lot of it does result in a shame-based view of myself where I just walk around with a million pounds on my shoulders and I constantly feel like I am not enough which is true, like I yeah. said, but I feel that. And then anybody who offers any criticism, any critique, mm-hmm. any of that, it one more little rock into my backpack is enough to just make me just fall flat on my face yeah. when I'm not living in light of the gospel. So just mm-hmm. in case anybody's there.
1: Again, that reminds me of something, I think it was Elise Fitzpatrick said about when we look at other people, instead of looking to Christ, we have one or two options. Either pride, because we say yeah. that we are better than that person, or despair, because we see we're falling short of that example. Yes. So.
0: Did her writing help you understand the gospel better? Y-
1: yes, definitely. It yeah, totally, me totally too. did. Um, the reason being is because I was trying to find, like, a gospel-centered curriculum for eating disorders. mm and i came across her book i believe it was called hate to hate to eat love to eat
0: it's love to eat hate to eat
1: anyways i went through it and it was it was really helpful the first part of it was really helpful and then the second part of it i just remember walking through costco one day following the checklist that she prescribes at the end and just feeling this weight of like oh my gosh i can't even live up to this new standard of gospel centered eating mm. And I was feeling super disappointed about the book. And then there was another gal in our women's ministry who was reading it and she kind of had the same feelings. And I just felt like, I don't know what to do because so many of the eating disorder type curriculums are just really self-help centered. Yes. And I was listening to her on her podcast and she was talking about how she wrote her first few books and she had some guys look at them and, and they said to her, you know, these are really great, Elise, but you're totally missing the gospel. And one of those books that she mentioned was Love to Eat, Hate to Eat.
0: Lexi, this is so crazy. So did you struggle with an eating disorder? I don't want to say I struggled with an eating disorder, but I I definitely have had
1: disordered thoughts about food, if that makes sense.
0: That is the same for me. And I actually read that book because this is a passion of mine. Which okay. I read that book and had the same experience, and I am so happy to hear that from you. Well,
1: she had said that
0: in the beginning,
1: that was one of the few books that these guys that she highly respected, they were saying they're really good, but you are missing the gospel. And she was, she said, I was really frustrated with some of my first few books because I didn't understand what they were saying. And it was only after she took a lot of time to study God's love for us, which led to her writing because he loves me or because he loves us. Um, she said she realized she was missing that 2 Corinthians 3.18 component of it's by looking at the gospel and not looking at your works that you're changed. Yeah. So she said "That's you know, I was totally missing that in love to eat, hate to eat. It was was very law-based towards the end. And so that's why I started gobbling up all of her writing because I just, as a writer, it was fascinating to me because I thought, well, have I been doing that? Have I been heaping law on others through a ministry of death by my words that I'm writing? And I actually, I got to interview her for Deeply Rooted Magazine because I was so curious (laughs) as to just hear about this. And anyways, so... Highly recommend her later her later things, um, her later books.
0: Because He Loves Me is great for identity, which is super impactful. We're actually going to have a show on identity very, very soon after yours releases, which I'm excited about. And then Give Them Grace is great for parenting. But also, if you've ever been a child, which all of us have, even if you don't have kids, I think you'd find it very helpful. So That one was great for marriage, too. <laughs> I was just thinking about how I need to pull it out again, because this, what we're talking about is something that I recognized probably six years ago, that I Mm -hmm. knew how to explain the gospel. And Sarah Scott and I talk about this in the second episode of the podcast, it's evangelism, sharing the gospel. And I knew how to talk to other people about the gospel, kind of the blip that you offered at the very beginning, but I wasn't living in light of the gospel and I had no clue how it connected into the intricacies of my everyday life it's like i'd moved on from it it's like i needed to know how to share the gospel and then to move on to greater like theological revelations or something and i just started coming back to the fact that no it's just about the continual um, understanding of who christ is and what he did for us
1: That's why I love Paul's words when he says, um, I claim to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified, because that is a sufficient doctrine for all of life.
0: Oh, I'm going to like tattoo that somewhere. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, okay. If somebody's in the boat that I've been in where they have just moved on from the gospel, or maybe they think that gospel truths are like elementary, like those mm, are the basics, yeah. like addition and subtraction, and then everything else is, you know, calculus. What yeah. would you suggest to them and what would you encourage them to do?
1: I would definitely say they need to repent of that sin. Mm. And I say that because I was kind of in a, a season of that where I, I, for me, moving on from the gospel became a works of being a good steward, and I was making Hmm. the gospel about my stewardship, Hmm. specifically my stewardship of my health and my children's health, and in that context, for me, we had been strictly vegan because of uh, a doctor's recommendation Mm -hmm. for both my husband's health and my son's health, and it was about a year and a half of that, and I just, I felt like, well, if I have the gospel, this is the proper response to have, to be to steward my food well, to steward my body well, yeah. to steward my
0: health. And I just didn't
1: realize that I was I wasn't acting on faith anymore. I was yeah. acting on,
0: you know, Lexi's control essentially. That particular topic can be such a foothold for us as women.
1: I really feel like part of it is because we feel like as Christians, we have to be the best stewards at everything. And it's it's again, it's not about us being the best at anything. Yes. Um, And then there's that fear, for me at least, there was that fear element of, oh my goodness, if I have a piece of cheese, I'm going to get cancer.
0: We're all going to die at some point. anyways. God is sovereign even over cheese.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But coming through that, knowing I had moved on from the gospel, getting back to the gospel really looked like me letting go of everything I knew about food for a while. I didn't let myself look at ingredients. I didn't necessarily stick to, I didn't have any sort of a dietary plan, nothing for, I don't, probably months and months. Mm. And just really going back, I spent that whole time looking at the gospel, really, to resources that that was when I found Elise Fitzpatrick's writings. And so yeah, repentance is the first thing, turning back to Christ, and just figuring out how he can meet you in that place. And Mm. kind of looking at what is the well that you have dug for yourself that should be Christ.
0: Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, for some, you may be killing it at the vegan lifestyle and it's not a foothold for you. That might be totally okay. But I think it's good for us to take a step back and just hold all of these things open handedly and ask the Lord again to examine our hearts, test me and know my thoughts, you know, see if there's any offensive way in me and ask him to reveal that to us.
1: I think too, um, if you're married or if you're not married, ask somebody very close to you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know ask your husband do you feel welcomed to my table when I make you dinner or do you feel like it's a hostile environment because Mm -hmm. I think that will really help you know whether or not you have a foothold if that if that particular sin has a foothold in
0: your life if you're super brave which I don't know Mm -hmm. I would recommend really like thinking through this before you ask and definitely not looking for a fight but this year I actually asked Brooks who is my husband to create my word for the year. You know how that's like a super trendy thing? You like create a word for the year for yourself that you're going to learn, which is hilarious because the Lord has ideas about what we're going to learn, obviously, and (laughs) we're like trying to force those things a lot of times. But it's very telling to ask someone who's close to you if there's one thing that you could encourage me to intentionally process through Mm -hmm. and submit to the Lord. What would it be? And for Brooks, he told me he was like, you know, I really think you need to grow in the area of flexibility. And, oh. you know, I think the whole yeah. issue of control had totally become my my well, if you will, to use your analogy. Yeah. And like you were saying, just efficiency, the idol of efficiency and you know, accomplishments was absolutely what I had been enslaving myself to and thereby, as you mentioned, enslaving my family too. And when yeah. it didn't work out, whatever it is, whatever plan it was that I had created, yeah. when it didn't work out the way it was supposed to in my mind, then I would have these many breakdowns, which would lead to yeah. a bad attitude or yep. frustration with my kids that's just unnecessary. All of those things. It's so true okay, repent. I think I need to even go sit and repent even more after this. (laughs) But the great thing is, again, the gospel, repentance gives us an opportunity to cling more closely and tightly to Christ. So could you talk a little bit about that? Like repentance, true repentance, what will it stir up in us?
1: I think it will stir up um, godly sorrow over our sin. And by that, I mean, a quick sort of sadness that leads to much quicker joy in Christ. Um, Cause I really, really get stuck in the wallowing, <laughs> the wallowing part of repentance. The same, yes. <laughs> so again, if we're not, if we don't look to Christ, uh, John one 29 says, behold the lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. We're, sh- we're supposed to be that word behold means to look. So look at Christ. Mm. He's taken this sin away. Stop looking at your sin. Yes. Again, it's by faith. It's believing that that sin is no longer part of your identity and that it's been put to death on the cross and, Yeah, just walking in that new life that Christ has called us to. And actually trusting that, you know, he has very specific good works for you to walk in. Right. Because I think that is the part of the gospel that we forget, is that works don't come before faith, works come after faith, and they are evidence of faith. And so I think that's the second part of gospel-centered living. We have gospel-centered thinking, and then I think there's gospel-centered living that we shy away from because we are fearful of becoming moralistic and legalistic, but... I think the second part of that requires much more wisdom and time and prayer on our part to say, okay, Lord, this is what you have done for me. And I am very thankful for this. And how do you want me to live in response to that? So some days for me, that really looks like sitting on the floor with laundry and just clothes everywhere and toys everywhere and just really feeling like, okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do today, to live in response to your gospel and to repent of my works of housekeeping i will sit here and play with my kids for an hour and get nothing else accomplished yes so i I have to ask myself i do ask myself that a lot okay lord what do you have for me in this specific moment you know what is your work that you've prepared for me i think it's getting dinner cooked right now but you might think it's sitting down and praying with my four-year-old you know Yeah. So you have to use a lot more wisdom with that second part, I think.
0: You absolutely do. And it's really neat as you're describing this, kind of the thinking moving its way down to our heart and to our hands. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's amazing to see how God works that in us, you know? And I think a lot of us as believers, our fixation is so with our hands because we want... To control other people's perception of us, we want to do the right thing, and we neglect to take the time required to kind of retrain our minds, right, which happens Mm -hmm. through God's word, as scripture says in Romans, and then to allow that to just kind of sink into our hearts. And that's where we're really going to see that fruit being produced, like you're saying. But it definitely is like an active participation with Mm -hmm. the Lord as he's working that out in us.
1: Yes. It's way more comfortable for me to ignore my husband and kids and get my chores done than it is for me to have to sit and realize there will be work involved later, but I'm going to enjoy my family right now.
0: You know, you talked about having house church, which I would love to hear more about. And I would also love, especially from that perspective, to hear how we can practice living in light of the gospel and its truths in the context of life on life community
1: yeah, I love this question. Um, first of all, I would say you have to be involved in community. Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of walk away from the church and just complain saying, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody was from me. Nobody reached out all the while knowing that that particular person was also complaining about the women's ministry for years or complaining about certain people in their house church for years and really distancing themselves from that community. And it, kind of reminds me of, I think it's in Hebrews where the author is basically saying, do not neglect meeting with one another.
0: Yes, <laughs> Reminding one another
1: of your sin.
0: I just have to repent and say that this morning, military lifestyle, a lot of my listeners will understand Brooks is out in the field right now. And I wrangled my two babies and put them into the van and I love our church. So please don't hear me say that, but it is a discipline to get to church some Sundays. It is hard. What helped me get
1: over that whole, it's hard to be in community mm-hmm. thing is, and especially me, I feel like, oh my goodness, it is so hard. My husband wakes up so early on Sunday mornings. It oh, is a yeah. huge work day for me. It's a biggest oh, yeah. work day of my week as yes. a mom and a pastor's wife. And Gloria Furman in her book, The Pastor's Wife, she talks about how she had to come to the place where she realized every single woman is facing some sort of trial getting to church on Sundays. Yes, And I think it's the same thing every single aspect of community, everybody always have an excuse. Yes. Didn't find Matching socks today. So you couldn't go out to see people, you know, it's just, <laughs> you have to realize the enemy is going to give you any excuse to be in community because that is where we are reminded of the gospel. Yeah. So first of all, be in community. Second of all, I am a huge proponent of your small groups being in your neighborhood, meaning, your local church body is made up of those who live closest to you. Right.
0: Your proximity. And the reason I say that, yes,
1: exactly. So our church is in Ogden. We live right up the street from our church. So all of the people in our house church live within, I'd say like five blocks of one another. But there are house churches in other cities where Mm -hmm. they all live within five to 10 miles of one another. So again, the reason I like this is because it makes it, so much easier, yes, to live out the gospel with one another when you take out, out, out that added what's the word added obstacle.
0: It's an added yes. obstacle. Distance is one of the biggest obstacles for mothers, especially. It's
1: so true. So because of that, being in a local, truly local community mm-hmm. has allowed for almost sometimes daily confession of struggles, yeah. and because I can see those sisters much more easily. Um, Even, you know, when everyone in our house church found out about my son being in the hospital the other night, they were so much quicker to be able to put meals together for us because, you know, we live one street
0: over. They probably had a meal on their stove right then and they could just walk it over.
1: Yeah, so I just love the idea of house churches truly being a local type Mm -hmm. thing because yeah, I don't know. I've grown so much in my house church in the last year simply because I see these ladies on a day in and day out basis mm-hmm. and they know my struggles and they they see how my temperament fluctuates day yeah. to day. If that makes sense.
0: This is a good thing to think about for those of us who are moving frequently when yeah. we consider where to live, to think through the obstacles that could inhibit you from walking in biblical community in your day to day life. Okay, so living in light of the gospel in the context of community you're talking about kind of this life on life loving each other serving each other as we see christ has served us on the cross are there other ways like if we see our brother or sister faltering forgetting the gospel what does it look like to come alongside them and kind of speak that into them in the context of community
1: um something i've learned very recently again is having somebody there to literally verbalize the gospel to you yes through all of that brain fog it never gets gets old yeah and i think i mean especially in the time we live in where most of our relationships take place um either on on our phone or on the computer it's even more valuable yeah I i just recently was having a telephone conversation with a gal and she was reminding me she said you know uh, Christ has promised that what we put to death will be brought back to life. And so, mm. none of our years of parenting and putting our selfishness to death will go um, without reward. And for some reason, hearing her say that affected my heart in a completely different way than if I had just been telling myself that. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. And so, I think a part of it is, I think that requires boldness on the part of the speaker. <laughs>
0: you know, it should be an encouragement to us to speak those things boldly into the lives of our brothers and sisters because I definitely believe Life Together. Have you read Bonhoeffer? No, I want to though. You got to add it to the list. Okay, I will. (laughs) But he talks a lot about how we experience the grace of, of god that was extended to us through the person of christ through our brothers and sisters through confession through community all these things and it's almost as though they're speaking that grace into our lives and thereby the connection that we have with the body right our brothers and sisters it increases, the body strengthens, and we yeah. are encouraged mutually. And yeah. I'm like, of course, he would set it up this way that it would just, we would just mu- mutually spur one another on in Christ likeness with our words as we remind each other of the gospel. And dude, it gets me super fired up. And I desire for people to speak that into my life. But I don't know if it's a cultural thing. Maybe this has been going on since the very, very beginning days of the church. But I, so often I shy away from that, trying really, really hard to be sensitive to somebody else's how they feel. And a lot of times how Mm. we feel like is despairing. It is, you know, we feel shame. We feel all these things that we've been talking about, And sometimes my tendency is to encourage somebody to fixate more on their feelings instead of speaking into the speaking life into those feelings. And obviously this requires great discernment and it also requires knowing the gospel because my friends who really know the gospel are the ones who will encourage me with Mm -hmm. the gospel and I walk away feeling different because of our interaction. And I feel encouraged and I feel like they've breathed life into me. And Sarah Scott, she actually was the second person that I had on the podcast. She talks about evangelism. She's one of the people that knows the gospel better than anybody else um, Mm. in my life. And I'm telling you what, I will oftentimes come to her despairing Mm. and she'll say something like, honey, you know, this wasn't always about you. It never has (laughs) been. And I'm like, oh, You're right, thank you. That is exactly what I needed to hear. I think that's true,
1: I think the church today, the modern church in America at least, I think we're very shy of training Our church members theologically, and because of that, I think it does overflow into shyness to 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 remind one another of the gospel. Because we don't know, we don't know how,
0: we don't know the gospel. I will say that because I have been there, and I have to just own that publicly. Because even though I knew how to present some kind of like illustration, this is what the gospel is, and I knew a couple of verses, I really didn't know the gospel and it's beyond Romans uh, 3.23, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I'm working on personally right now is number one, seeing the gospel in the context of everyday situations. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I'm finding that from a theological standpoint, right? If theology is knowing and understanding more of who God is and the primary means by which he's given us to know that is through his word. knowing the verses that pertain to the gospel, which all of them do, (laughs) all of the stories do, but there are certain kind of pocket verses that we can Mm. memorize. And Sarah talked about this as well. And you can just do a simple Google search, which I'll include a couple of links that I've been referencing from Desiring God and a few other websites that are gospel passages that are just Mm. good to saturate ourselves in. And I'm telling you what, memorizing those will enable you to Kind of view the world through those gospel glasses, if you will, and you will start to see things differently. And it is amazing to see that with that intentionality of increasing in my theology, my understanding of who God is and His glorious gospel Mm. through the primary means by which He's given me to know it, His Word, has totally transformed the way I view those day to day interactions in the context of community, with my kids, with my friends, Mm -hmm. and with myself. Okay, well, I'd love, since you're a mom too. I think kids has impacted the way that I preach the gospel more than any other thing in my life, because I'm constantly examining how I'm doing it. I'm trying to do it very intentionally, and I'm also doing it very frequently, because we're too... (laughs) (laughs) So how can we teach our kids to live in light of the gospel? Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) First of all, because I don't want this to be a workspace thing, I think you really have to pray about what that looks like, um, family to family and child to child. Mm. A few years ago, I probably would have just rattled off a list of books for you to go read and call that (laughs) an answer to your question. But um, I do think something we neglect very often is a theological training of our children. Mm -hmm. So for my husband and I, that's very important for us is to – just make it a habit of doing catechism with our children. We have a high respect of childhood, meaning we believe our children can do much more than we think they can do. Yeah. So I think it's really important, whatever that time looks like in your family, whether it's at the breakfast table, in the car, or at night before bed, just making, first of all, the Bible, the food that you guys feast on together as a family. Oh, I love that. And then having some sort of... Um, Mm. Just some sort of a theological training that they can go through to have yeah. reference as they get older.
0: Which there are tons and tons of resources, like you said. We don't want to be like, oh, you have to do this, this, or this. But I would love, Lexi, like, to get a list of resources if there's somebody that's like, I yeah. don't even know what a catechism is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the catechism was basically way back in the day when they only trained the elite classes of children who had the money to pay for it. The Sunday school movement is kind of what happened, and um, Mm -hmm. there were lots of people involved in that, but they wanted to teach children in those working classes how to read because they only had Sunday off from work. Mm. So they would teach them how to read, and then they would train them theologically. So that's where the whole idea of the catechism came from. It's really just a question and answer sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that can just become rote memorization apart from day-to-day example of living out the gospel, as well as pointing out to them um, what it would mean to walk in accordance with the gospel, you know, sharing with your brother, even when you don't want to, or um, as a teenager, you know, learning to respect your parents and honor them and all that stuff. So, yeah. And I, I think another thing that's really important to remember is, you know, if you're in the moment and you have no idea how like what is going on relates to the gospel. You're frustrated. Your kid is frustrated. I totally think it is okay to tell them, you know, I don't know how this relates to any of the gospel right now, but we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord for help. And we're just going to leave it there. And I think that humility, um, James four, six, it talks about our humility attracts the grace of Christ. And so, Mm. um, that doesn't mean that God's going to immediately give you an answer to, you know, the question or solve the (laughs) problem. But I think that humility will teach way more than acting like you have it all together 24 Uh seven,
0: you know? Oh, absolutely. I can't even tell you. I mean, I think the primary way I teach my kids to live in light of the gospel is by failing in front of them and asking for forgiveness. Yeah.
1: And just trusting, you know, I've really struggled, but I just felt fearful of that happening but i had to realize you know this is how god designed sanctification yes. happens on the job failure and correction is apparent
0: <laughs> absolutely and we're teaching them like you said when you don't know how does the gospel apply to this i have no idea or oh no i screwed up again you know yeah. we're teaching them what to do in response to our failure and our shortcomings ah, so which true. is the gospel. So, you know, what do you do? You look away from yourself and you look to Jesus. And that is the response that we are doing every single moment of every single day. And so, you know, I've honestly come to embrace every failure as just Mm. another blessed opportunity to preach the gospel to my kids. And I'm talking about my failures, their failures. I do it too, but for sure I have my own every single day. There are ample opportunities in the Beals home.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I I mean, I find myself praying more and more, too, that God would just use my sins against them for their good, even, or my ignorance or my lack of knowledge for their good.
0: And he does that. You look at scripture and you're like, man, he has been doing that from the beginning, right? This is the gospel, Adam and Eve. (laughs) Okay, well, I'd love to hear a little bit about how growing in this particular discipline and just having eyes to see this as it weaves its way throughout all of the fabric of your life how has it impacted you personally and how has it shaped you as a believer
1: it required more time on my part in my life to be able to even dedicate time to growing in this area apart from that I think it really challenged me to believe that it's grace that trains us in godliness and not my works and I've just had to I think for such a long time I was fearful of offending my, you know, my vegan friends or offending my minimalist friends or not, not, that I want to be unnecessarily divisive, but I just, I found that I wasn't bold in the gospel and in sharing what I was learning because I was just so worried about offending other people. And yeah. I kind of had to get over that element of it is offensive because it is the gospel and it mm-hmm. truth divides. My husband talks about that all the time. Truth in its nature divides. And so Um, I think just walking in boldness, it, it allowed me to have more confidence in the gospel even, Mm -hmm. and to just see it as the only tool that I need. I don't need to, you know, have a, I don't need to have a list of books to be a better wife to share with you. I just need to have the gospel. And so, um, just really allowing my ministry to be about nothing else except Christ and him crucified and how that relates to every area. It's just grown my confidence because beforehand I would have said, you know, I'm not an evangelist. I don't have that Mm -hmm. gift. But a lot of it was because I didn't feel like I knew what to say. So yeah, I don't know. It's just been sort of a through with the Lord's help really just kind of an equipping of, um, just a boldness and Mm -hmm. an ability to go out and see that the Holy Spirit would use those gospel words in other people's lives.
0: Hmm. So good. Well, you kind of wrecked my next question then. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> do you have any resources other than the gospel, or do you just want to oh, put a big yeah. period after that for those of us that are trying to grow in gospel-centered living?
1: Okay, so specifically with gospel-centered living, um, I would say elise fitzpatrick's stuff was really helpful to me um specifically her book counsel from the cross Uh, she actually co-writes that with someone else i think his last name is johnson
0: i haven't ever read that i will definitely link to that in the show notes for everyone and then i think
1: that will help you get the gospel centered thinking down and i believe it's dl moody that has a book called something about preaching the gospel no it's called spiritual depression and it's all about preaching the gospel to yourself okay. i haven't personally read that but i've i've heard that come highly recommended for this topic and then the second part this is just kind of a altogether go check these people out and i know they're kind of controversial sometimes but anything by douglas wilson and his daughters has been extremely helpful for me to understand what gospel centered living looks like in hmm. response Having right gospel thoughts.
0: Okay. So
1: I don't have any specifics. I think what was really helpful for me as a woman was listening through all of their churches, um, women's conferences.
0: I love it. And I can't wait for this next question, just because you seem very, <laughs> you're intriguing me with this whole tiny home oh. slash <laughs> Utah way of life. So I would love to hear what your three simple joys are. Oh, okay. Well, I have three little kids. <laughs> oh, precious.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Do you usually go really practical with this or do people, I'm sure they go all over the board with what
0: their answers are. It has been everywhere from like my kid learning to walk to like collagen in my coffee. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: so honestly, this past year, I have just really been learning to live um, with noble limitations, if that makes sense.
0: What does that mean? Tell me that. Um, okay. So go read sensing Jesus (laughs) and it will explain
1: everything, but in short, just really being okay with being a human who has limitations. Uh, I can't do it all.
0: It's already ministering to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One of my resolutions in 2017 was actually to start nothing. Don't start a new group. Don't start ministry. Don't start a new Bible study.
0: (laughs) I needed
1: that. That is so good. So that's just been so good for me to really learn how to live the lo- love the locals under my roof, meaning my four people that I've been entrusted with, my husband and my three kids, and that really has been a great source of joy for me. Just that that idea of simple living and yeah, just learning how to have noble limitations and not not be frustrated that I am dependent on Christ for all of my strength. Uh. So that would be number one. Number two, because I have a newborn in my house again. This is super silly, but it makes me so much more of a happy person on a day-to-day basis. I drink my coffee at noon now instead of in the (laughs) morning. Yes!
0: (laughs) Is it decaf or caffeinated? No,
1: it's caffeinated. Absolutely, because
0: you're up half the night anyways, so why not?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's honestly. By two o'clock, I am just ready for bed, and I know (laughs) I'm grumpy. Oh yes! So changing my coffee drinking to noon has just helped me. It's just helped with my natural rhythms, Uh, and (laughs) it's so wonderful. Yep. You know, and I I find it funny in that book, Sensing Jesus. He goes through the Psalms and he talks about the rhythms of the day in the Psalms, and even the Mm. Psalmist talks about we need extra grace for the the afternoon, essentially. And that helped me have more grace for myself and for my kids when we're all crabby by dinner time. but coffee at noon noon has been another great one. And then, oh gosh, what would my third one be? I just find so much joy in my books. (laughs) I kind of, when I knew I was going to have a, uh, a newborn again, I, I made a stack of books for myself essentially to read through for these first few months and I kept them aside. I could have gobbled them down immediately when they came in the mail, but I kept them aside and so there's just been a few that I've been slowly reading through since I don't have as much time and I highly recommend that for anyone who's about to have a newborn, get yourself a list of books to help you in those hard times.
0: (laughs) I don't know, I feel like that's a really great recommendation for us who have a propensity to scroll because we don't have anything (laughs) to do when we're sitting and nursing or sitting and rocking or bottle feeding, whatever we're doing.
1: Yeah. And I still do that sometimes, but honestly, it's so much better for my heart and my mind to not
0: be mindlessly on
1: Facebook. My husband and I actually, when was it? I think it was in February that we got rid of our Netflix and Mm. really committed to only (laughs) reading at night. And it's been kind of a, a game changer for our marriage and our life. I feel like
0: Oh, man. Well, it sounds like your husband has had a great impact on you. And I'm wondering if he's the answer to your next question that I sent your way, but he may not be. Let me hear who has had the biggest influence on your journey with Jesus, Lexi? My husband, definitely. Um, He's he's like permeated our conversation. This is the (laughs) second time I like have guessed something for one of my guests. And I don't think it's very hospitable of me, but I couldn't help but interject.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. So gosh, I don't know if it was just the culture that we both grew up in, but I just, I didn't have anyone necessarily growing up verbalize the gospel to me often in response to my confession of sin. And so Early on in our marriage and just as I've had to come to him with different, very specific sins that I've had to ask um, for forgiveness of, he's always, he's so much more gracious than I think he's going to be.
0: Ah, oh, mine and is too. Yes. It wrecks you, doesn't it? In the best of ways.
1: I actually wrote a poem about this. I don't mm. know where it is. I don't need, I don't even know if I've ever shared this with my husband, but I don't know what the first time was, but I felt like his grace left bruises. I don't know how else mm. to describe it. And I mean, my husband's grace yes. towards me. No, I, it, I know exactly what you mean
0: because you cannot do anything to repay that kind of grace, and so you just feel so humbled.
1: Yes, you—you you truly do. You truly, truly do. It—it it broke me in a way, and it reminded me of—I think it's the parables where it talks about the one who has to go out and find the lost sheep. He has to break mm. his legs, bring him back, bring yeah. him close to him, and it's really—it's um, kindled my affections more from, towards my husband because I'm not—I'm just not fearful of him.
0: That is truly an undeserved gift, and I am so grateful for him and for you. And it's been really, really cool to get to connect with you after having heard so much about you from our mutual friend, Diane, who was on. I can't remember what the episode number is, but I'll link to it in the show notes. She just came on and talked about pursuing a dream, and she's lovely. But I knew because of her loveliness that when she spoke so highly of you, you would be just as wonderful. So thank you so much, Lexi. I cannot believe it's been an hour I know. <laughs> and I could talk about the gospel with you for so much longer, but I really appreciate the time that you've given us today.
1: Yeah, you are very welcome. This was fun.
0: If I could go back in time and start the Journey Women podcast from scratch, y'all, I would a hundred percent begin here. I mean, where else can we begin than with the gospel? <laughs> so I hope that as we continue to dive into different topics that you will just know that walking in the grace of the gospel is truly the heartbeat of the journey women podcast. Please continue to hold me to that as we go on. I'm just so grateful to get to be on this journey with you guys. Go walk in grace today, my friends for the glory of God and hop over to the journey women podcast on Instagram or Facebook for more gospel filled reminders throughout the week at journey women podcast. As always be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. So you don't miss out on next week's episode. See you guys here next Monday.